Welcome, friends. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have come to worship God, who loved us before we were even born, who knows us even better than we know ourselves, whose presence never leaves us, and whose divine love for us never ceases. This is our God. And so as we approach this loving, gracious, merciful God, we come with confidence in prayer and confess our sins boldly. Let's pray. Oh, merciful God, you plant each of us like seeds in the same field. Together we are nourished and nurtured by the sun and are refreshed by the rain. We are blessed by the knowledge that you want us to grow toward what you call us to be. When we deprive others of that same opportunity, forgive us, Lord. When we want to uproot those whom we believe do not belong in our part of the field, forgive us, Lord. When we label others as good or bad rather than accept them for who they are, Forgive us, Lord, when we are reluctant to acknowledge that we ourselves are a mixture of weeds and wheat. Forgive us, Lord, when we are afraid to look into the fields of our own lives to see what is growing there. Forgive us, Lord, we pray that you will help us to reach out to the uprooted and rejected, the lonely and the outcast and to develop and grow the good in ourselves, in others, and in the world, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news, brothers and sisters. There is nothing on earth or beyond death that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are reconciled to God. Go and live with the love of God. Praise the Lord. Thanks be to God. And with this wonderful relationship and peace that we enjoy, we freely extend it to one another. And so may the peace of Christ be with you, my friends. As God's forgiven and loved people, the Lord has graciously given us his law. These are the things God told everyone to observe. You may not love anyone or anything more than you love God. You may not worship or put importance on any person or thing other than God. You must worship only the Lord, not your parents, not a friend, not a movie star or a sports hero, not a car or a boat or a skateboard, nothing. You may not swear, use God's holy name only in a loving way, never to express anger or frustration. One day of your week should be set aside for rest and the worship of God. Work six days of the week only. You need a special day set aside to relax, to enjoy God's world, and to meet with other Christians. Be respectful to your parents, love them, and the Lord will reward you with a long life. You may not hate other people. Don't ever think of hurting someone else in any way. Keep your thoughts and actions pure. Sex is a gift of God to married couples. You may not take and keep anything that doesn't belong to you. You may not tell lies, 
especially when that lie will hurt someone else. You may not be jealous of what others have. You may not be jealous of your friend's new toy or clothes or the big house your neighbor lives in. Be satisfied with what you have. Amen. May it be so to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord God, in this dialogue that we have with you in a time of acknowledgement and worship and devotion, help us to know your ways, teach us your paths, lead us in your truth, and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. For you we wait all day long through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, today I am in the Gospel of Matthew, and am going to read for you here from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, uh, and then 36 to 43. That's Matthew 13, and this is Christ's parable of the weeds. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then Jesus left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. People in every age throughout history have struggled with the evil present in this world, including us and including the church as well. How do we make sense of those who profess Christ but have no fire and passion for their faith? How do we reconcile our own faith with folks in the church who seem to care more about getting their own way than about sacrificing themselves to reach people who do not know Christ? 
Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen to this. Jesus has informed us that in this present evil age we live in, between his two advents of incarnation and coming again, not everything for Christians is going to be rainbows and unicorns. There are competing pressures on the church, and sometimes uh, she will have a failure of faith. The kingdom of God has broken into history, and it is now present, but sin and evil is there too. So our focus needs to be on the hope that we have when Christ comes again to judge the living and the dead. In Christ's <clears throat> parable of the weeds, or uh, the parable of the wheat and the tares, the enemy of our souls seeks to distract the workers by overwhelming them with evil. If Satan can't prevent God's kingdom from being established in the human heart, the devil will try and corrupt the heart by throwing as much evil at it as he possibly can. The devil has absolutely no problem with people saying they are Christians. <laughs> the thing Satan has a problem with, however, is people giving themselves unconditionally and unreservedly to God for kingdom business. Now that's a problem for Satan. Matthew 7.21, uh, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So where did all these weeds, where did all of this evil come from? I'll frame the question in the modern form that many people have asked me over the years. If God is a God of love, why is there so much evil in the world? Or, if this is Christ's church, why is it so messed up? Jesus is straightforward in his answer. An enemy did this. In other words, God did not plant the evil. The source of evil comes from the devil, not God. God's agenda is for the seed to take root in the human heart and to grow into a full-fledged embodiment and commitment to the words and the ways of Jesus. When that growth does not happen, the problem is not because God messed up. It's because the devil has also done his work of planting. And the devil wants the opposite of God, to have Christians nitpicking each other like a bunch of crazy chickens and keeping a demonic pecking order instead of being the continuing presence of Christ on this earth. Well, if that's the reality, and there's all this evil, all, all, this, all these weeds here, what do we do with them all? What do we do with all of these weeds? In other words, how do we deal with wicked people? The answer seems obvious. Well, just pull the weeds up and get rid of them. Get rid of wicked people and their wicked behavior. Yet Jesus says in response to this line of reasoning, in a very clear and unequivocal answer of, nope, 
do not do that. Why? Well, because doing violence to the weeds ends up doing violence to the wheat as well. Christ's answer to the problem of evil is, let God take care of it. Meanwhile, until that fully happens, we must coexist with evil rather than exterminate evil people. There is always a temptation for believers to force people into the kingdom of God. One only needs to think of the Spanish Inquisition. Yet at the harvest, at the final judgment, at the end of the age, evil will be squarely dealt with. Judge Jesus will have the angels separate the wheat from the tares, the true crop from the weeds, and those weeds will be burned up. This teaching from Jesus may open up a whole set of other questions, such as, well, then what am I supposed to do with evil? Just watch it happen? Am I to just let that evil person be evil? Shouldn't I give them something of what they deserve? Shouldn't I at least tell evil people that they are no good rotten sinners? That they are going to hell because they are wicked? This doesn't mean we do nothing. Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has already said, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5.44 we are to love and pray people into the kingdom. We are to love and pray people into the kingdom, not force them into it. As for the evil, Jesus will decisively solve the problem of evil. Not you, not me. It isn't our place to be the judge. And if we make it our place, we'll end up hurting and destroying our brothers and sisters because we'll end up pulling up weeds and then doing violence to the very people we're trying to protect. Where is evil? If it's so ubiquitous, if it's so pervasive all over the place, exactly where is it? Well, a sobering reality taught by Jesus in this parable is that it is not a simple matter that we... <laughs> The wheat are here, and they, the weeds, are over there. It's much more sinister than that. The enemy, well, the enemy primarily is within, not out there. We have no further to look than in our own hearts and within our own faith communities, which is why we need the Lordship of Christ to completely overwhelm and overtake us. Evil is present in the church, right next to the good, seeking to discourage people in their commitment to Christ, seeking to offend and hurt others, particularly by overlooking and speaking ill of weaker people. Evil exists in the church by stepping on others in order to get their way being a stumbling block to those trying to do God's will, promoting ignorance of God's word, because no one can live by God's will if they don't know what God's word says. The eventual end of sinister people is that when Christ returns, they will be separated from the righteous and thrown into the fire. 
just like a harvester would do with a bunch of weeds. As the wicked went about their lives in anger, upsetting others in this life, so they will be tormented in the next. We may expect God to handle evil in a hurry, but the kingdom of God, <clears throat> well, my friends, it just doesn't work that way. It's intended to be planted in the ground, and it takes time to grow. And while it's growing, evil is there like a weed. Whenever things go sideways because of wickedness, we may expect God to act quickly, drastically, to uproot that evil. We might confuse God's slowness as being uncaring when in reality it means that God is patient and desires people to change. And change always begins with you and with me. O oh God, almighty creator of heaven and earth, we are a complacent people. While you desire us to be a beacon of light to the world in need, we are preoccupied with all the weeds in the field, we're sorry for the madness unleashed through our own selfish desires. So may you plant the seed of love in our hearts for all people, not just our friends. And we will commit to watering and nurturing that seed with your word, through Jesus Christ our Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Indeed, may God plant his mercy and kindness in our hearts so that it will ripen and produce a harvest of peace and righteousness and overwhelm the weeds rather than the opposite. And as we go into the world and we do and live the will of God, we do it with the blessing of God. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, brothers and sisters, and serve the Lord. <laughs>